and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style <laughs> podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. Uh, you yeah, don't you, you don't sure get do. to know why we're, why we're laughing. Um, I am your host Jeff Levitt, and this week we are going to be taking a look at uh, the film. Actually, every everything. Everywhere, all at once. That's the order of the words in the title of this movie. Is that correct? Everything, That's everywhere, correct. all at once. Yeah, we were originally going to talk yes. at. A, we were going to take a look at the Halo series, but um, I don't know. We we in an alternate universe, we do talk about the Halo. Yeah, series, there you but go. In this universe, we talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. I guess we really just have to, you know, we have to buckle down and actually do Doctor Strange next month, so we can continue our multiverse. Uh, streak here since our last episode but, was undone but would right? that but but would that break our uh but would that break our good movie streak <laughs> <laughs> it might uh well uh, undone's not a movie so that streak is already uh yeah, yeah no it's it wild right like last streak maybe yeah like the last common geeking program episode we were talking about a uh sci-fi series about someone using the multiverse to rifled through their family baggage and now yep. here we are <laughs> talking about a sci-fi movie about someone using the multiverse to rifle through their family baggage yeah it's, yeah. Uh, it's very very thematically similar though uh somewhat more chaotic hey guys, do you think we should around, all but... see do you think we should all see therapists about our family baggage or do we just want to keep dumping it out here i you know if i could just do some multiverse shenanigans instead of going to therapy you know, it'd be like a to go to the- masculine energy to do anything besides go to therapy, <laughs> including bridge the multiverse. Exactly. I've seen into a thousand and eighty one universes. How many have you gone to therapy in it? Zero. <laughs> All right. Uh, this time around, I'm joined by two fellow nerds who've been talking a lot. Who are you guys? What are your fucking deals? How did you get in my goddamn room? Uh, my name. Oh, that's Kate. Uh, Hi, I'm Time Wolf. In an alternate universe, I'm called Chowder. Uh, and in a different, different universe, I'm called Ty. What's good? And a different universe, oh. you have hot dogs for hands. Yeah. Um, and, in, and in the universe we've lived in forever, you've never gone first in the introduction, throwing me off quite a bit. Uh, hi, I'm Colin. I'm in Jeff's room uh, because I barged in, and he's been asking me to leave... And instead of leaving, I sat next to him on the microphone. Right on my lap. Um, all right, <laughs> friends, we're going to start off by <laughs> playing Minecraft. Summarize. Yeah, we're playing Minecraft. That You, you just made that joke wait, just wait, for, this is a- literally just for us. <laughs> that was all the yeah. pre-recording. <laughs> that's, hey, that's fine. Wait, wait, wait hold on. I'm, 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 hold, on I'm hold on. In this universe, it's not called Minecraft? Shut up. <laughs> we got some Mandela nonsense going on here. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start keeping a tally of how many times Chatter does that. I think we're at three. Yeah, uh, we're going to start off by summarizing. Come on, I'm trying to make thematically appropriate (laughs) jokes. All right, whatever, you can put me on blast. We'll all be curmudgeons. No jokes this episode. It's all serious business while we talk about hot dog hands and everything bagels. Um, We're going to be starting off by summarizing and discussing the topic, and then we'll end with our little rating section where we decide if this movie was worthwhile and enjoyable. Uh, Yes, I I think we should 
I think we should just jump on into the summary because I feel like there's a lot to unpack with yeah. that, this particular yeah, piece of media. Uh, there sure <laughs> is. Yeah, Everything Ever All at Once is a movie directed by the Daniels. I think Daniel Kwan and Daniel... Oh, let me look at the second one. It's it's yeah. Schweider. Uh, I believe the production company was A two four. They were uh, yeah. They distributed uh, everything everywhere they all at once. I just want to make sure because I just had his last name in my head and I forgot it. It is uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, also, uh, they are known for their work directing um, Swiss Army Man. And if I had known uh, that before seeing this, I would have uh, probably been prepared that, that, for the kind of movie I was walking into. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that I, I did not know they yep. they yep. also did Swiss Army yep. Man, but now it all makes sense. I, I still haven't either. It's one of those things I know by reputation alone. But here's what I want to say right up front before we get in. Obvious spoiler warnings because we're going to be summarizing big chunks of the movie. Uh, but I'm going to strongly recommend that if you want to really experience what we're about to describe, you should go in as unspoiled as possible. That said, if you're not the kind of person that wants, cares about that sort of thing, uh, I think you will, even knowing what happens, find it to be impactful. So really, just like pick your flavor, this movie will scratch an itch either way, but I think you should go in unspoiled. If you've seen it, let's dive in. Yeah, it is... uh... Yeah, no, we're... it's got quite the energy about it. So the whole the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's funny, but like also just I genuinely touching and genuinely made me cry, man. I, I I've told you guys this before, but like I was legitimately like tearing up at the movie and even crying on the car ride home. It uh, yeah. Well, I think I, what what I was definitely concerned what, about getting into a crash. What really uh what really got me about what made you cry though is you were crying at the at the dildo scene and I was like chowder <laughs> there are much more affecting scenes in this film <laughs> like dildo. the one where they're, where she's fighting the two guys with the trophy stuck up their butts. It, yeah, that that is where I was that, moved that's to the tears, dildo but scene. that was more of a sympathy pain. <laughs> So the uh, before before we get into too many of the fucking we've already <laughs> spoiled so many great ob- things <laughs> oblique ass references uh, that we've made mm. so far. So the elevator pitch for this movie basically is um, we've got this uh, this Chinese American family. Uh, the main character is played by what, Michelle Yao. Is that her? Is that her name? Michelle Michelle Yao. Yo. Yo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, basically we get a little setup where they're being audited and they're having to go figure out their, their tax situation and they've got some, uh, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Friction with their daughter. Well, really just the main character does the, the dad's pretty chill, but, um, because, uh, I mean, I mean, she's kind of had she kind of has friction with like everyone. everyone. Yeah, I, I want to hold on. Like, I want to I want to like, jump like, in with like a, her father, with a her husband point and here for us. Her daughter. Yeah. Um, this is an extremely dense plot. 
I, uh, I, yeah. I think our yeah. summary should be very broad strokes because I do not want to be here for hours. I'm just um, getting the and first then we can color in the moment. The first fucking set it I just, set I, up I, moment. I smell yeah. it. I smell the I smell the nitty gritty in the air. We're not we're not getting I want to turn I, yeah, I literally I literally just watched this movie Bam. and I could not recount the plot point by point in chronological okay. order. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. So she's but, got a but, bit of uh, she's got a yeah, bit of friction with her daughter because yeah. uh because her daughter uh has a girlfriend and uh she's worried about how her father will think about this and really i, I think she's a little prejudiced about it too um and while they are going to get their tax situation figured out all of a sudden her fucking husband uh just becomes a different person and starts like saying a bunch of nonsensical things to her and giving her these instructions uh, and it's, you know, quickly revealed that this is actually an alternate universe version of her husband who has, uh, traveled through dimensions, basically, or universes in, uh, something, what do they call it? They call, a uh, Verse jumping. Verse jumping, yeah. And is trying to find her because she holds the key to stopping some great evil in the universe, and, like, there's all Crucially, this- he thinks she might be a version of her that could, but he's gone yeah. through at least a thousand that were failures. So he's kind of grasping at straws. Right. Yeah. So, uh, we're getting a lot of weird stuff. We're getting like simultaneous moments where she's in the, her normal present time. Well, I guess it's all present, but her normal universe and then somewhere else with this different husband. And then she's, you know, of course looking kind of crazy to the people around her. Cause she's not responding properly to the things that are happening and looks like she's ignoring everybody. And uh, yeah, this this all shifts into, you know, these quick reveals where we're finding out that, you know, like we're getting this whole verse jumping thing explained to us. And then we fairly quickly find out that this great evil is actually an alternate universe version of their daughter. And this this alternate universe of her husband is from, quote unquote, the alpha universe, where they were the first universe to figure out that they could go between different universes and she was involved in that and is dead, but she pushed her daughter too far into the whole verse jumping experiment. And her daughter basically became like omniscient and like live all of the different realities all at once simultaneously. And it like, uh, can I say, I really like the detail <clears throat> of a third party quote, like entity in the film being the alpha verse. It's a very common yeah. thing to complain about of just like, in Star Trek, we live in Sector 001 and all these other things. It's like yep, ev- yep. everything is so human-centric, so us-centric. And it's like it is very fun to see not only that our protagonist is not from the center of the of the events, but that the people at the center of the events are just as egotistical, to name it the way that we do. It felt right, like yeah. a, a very under-the-radar <laughs> tongue-in-cheek moment that tickled me. And I was like, oh, thank God someone finally didn't do what I didn't want them to do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so basically, like, the mechanics of this and what contributes to the very weird vibe of the movie is uh, the they're trying to access, like, alternate versions of themselves from different lives who have different skill sets, and the way that they do this... Like, like, like basic, like, basically, uh, you can, like, access, like, the knowledge, the memories, and well, the skill sets of like your alternate universe selves, 
by apparently just gaming gaming the uh yeah chaoticness yeah, it's, of so it's, they, the they have these little it's devices such a wonderfully underdefined mechanic yeah which is like if you have the technology to facilitate it there are random chaotic things you can do that will link you to other universes right and it which is, is just a tool for the filmmakers and everyone involved to do absurd shit on camera every five seconds. Yeah, which is how we lead to things like, yeah. oh, she's getting a fight with two other verse jumpers, and the mechanic that they have to use to access their alternate selves with, like, karate or whatever the fuck is to, like, stick a trophy up their ass. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's... Said trophy looks like yeah, a Yeah, the trophy yeah. looks like that a was, um, I just So I've seen well, this movie. Like I first really watched this movie through... Th- I first saw this movie three days ago. I've since seen the movie twice and watched the director's commentary. Um, so, yeah, I'd love so, to hear uh, about uh, the director's uh, commentary. Well, it was funny because I remember when I first watched the movie because Jamie Lee Curtis playing a wonderfully curmudgeonly IRS agent is yeah. like trying to brag about how good yeah. she is at her job. And she's pointing to her trophies like you don't get some of these without knowing some bullshit. And the trophies are all just butt plugs on wooden mounts. Like, yeah. obviously, that's what they are. Yeah. There's no <laughs> two ways about it. And apparently noted sci-fi writer Ten, uh, Ted Chang, known for writing books like Exhalation or, you know, the thing that the movie Arrival is based on. Very big, heady, philosophical stuff. Apparently coined the term, he and his friends coined the term Chekhov's butt plug when talking to them about directing the movie. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is such a strange bridging of sci-fi creators that around a term I didn't expect. But Chekhov's butt plug is the vibe of this movie. Yeah. Really, really. big. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know the butt plug vibrated too, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, there's there like there's a surprising number of sort of like one-off jokes in this that end up being like brought back several times throughout the like the climax of the film like there's a, a joke earlier where she's where she's describing uh Rakakuni because she's like mispronouncing Ratatouille and her daughter is thinking this is funny and then it turns out that one of her alternate universes of, of herself is like a fucking line chef or whatever and uh the the person who's showing her up in the kitchen who's like doing all the fancy fancy stuff actually has a fucking raccoon in his hat who is controlling him Ratatouille style <laughs> <laughs> and the raccoon, and in uh, a testament to this film, uh, we're again we're breezing through some summary stuff so we can dive into the meat. But like, yeah. this movie f- does is visually mostly practical, a lot of fun camera tricks, a lot of stuff like that. So this is not like a CGI raccoon. This is not a puppet. No, it's, this is an this it's an animatronic raccoon that yeah. they mounted on this actor's head <laughs> and is voiced by Randy Newman, and it's so <laughs> I fucking, didn't even notice like. That. Yeah, the voice they chose for the raccoon. It is it is just, just one of those things where like if like... they had said raccoonie and never gone back to it, I still would have talked about it. But yeah. they hit that fucking nail so many times. Or the fucking it's alternate just... universe where everyone has hot dog hands. <laughs> it's yeah. I had Basically, to fucking so look as, away from uh, the screen every time they fucking shot condiments out of their goddamn hot dog fingers <laughs> into each other's mouths. I was just like, oh, 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 so, oh no, no, no. So no, to no, advance no, the no. plot, the, the the daughter as a monstrosity that travels worlds and is the only one that can like seem to move matter or m- materials between yeah, existences. She's, like, kind she's of basically like uh, what Evelyn needs to do is try to reach that level of craziness. And because 
As her husband says, she's the worst version of herself. She has so many opportunities to reach into other universes and learn things because she's such a failure at life. (laughs) And she does leverage this by learning thing after thing after thing until her mind It's kind of like the Kirby logic of... It's kind of like the Kirby logic of, like, when you are zero, you can become... Yeah, and you yeah, only have room to grow. And, and I, really. I think thematically that worked very well, but also the scene where he's like, you're the worst you. I'm like, ouch, okay. Yeah, like, Jesus, um, dude, you couldn't have fucking put it, that. Yeah, like, I couldn't help but think, are, are you just are you just being backhanded or are you being I, I, legit right I mean, now? it's 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 a, it's a rake that I frequently step on in like, social like it circles becomes where I'm, like, le- excitedly pointing out, just... like, what I see is the nature of a thing, but oops, I've accidentally hit someone's insecurity and now I'm an <laughs> asshole. And I think that's exactly what this guy was doing. He's like, isn't it so cool that you yeah. suck at everything? <laughs> uh, and I and I thought that was pretty funny. But she eventually, you know, does break her mind and understand infinite everything. And that leads to the second half of the movie where we come to understand that the agenda of her daughter called Jobu Tabaki, whose name she can almost never get right. Jobu Tabaki is they think that she's created this massive black hole everything bagel (laughs) as a way to suck the universe apart but it turns out it's just a metaphor for existential dread constant anxiety and being overwhelmed and both of those characters have to like suffer through a bout of nihilism and we now see these two omniscient people and multiple universes running in parallel giving up on everything because nothing matters yeah I love and the goddamn is, scene where they're fucking rocks. That the rock <laughs> so scene. Good. It's so. I can't wait to talk dude, more about that dude, after watching the commentary. The rock scene. Yeah. Yeah. No. The rock. The rock scene is one of the scenes that actually made me cry. Yeah. Just like two. It's it's just a shot of two rocks o- overlooking uh, from the view of a cliff. It it doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. But like. They just have this very... To sort of contextualize it, like, again, we're we're moving from universe to universe. This film is relentless. It is fast. It is anxiety-filled. It is purposefully exhausting and emotionally intense. And then all of a sudden, the camera just stops in a still shot on these rocks, and there's no voice acting. Just subtitles. It's just shot, reverse shot of two rocks with subtitles of the conversation. And it is so poignant. Because for us as an audience member, it's like the first moment of relief you get. Because even the slow moments you get up to this point are like deeply emotional or really confusing. So you never really spend a second just breathing with the movie. And much like they say toward the end, this is one of those few specks of time where it's just like, it totally makes sense to be here with these rocks. Yeah. And this begins the trajectory toward... Yeah, go ahead. And like, you know, the stunning thing is they then take the two rocks and do even more with it and do we want to or should i just bring that up now or can i uh, or do we talk about that later because because like you know it's it's just describing a later scene where like yeah i mean basically i uh, mean we'll 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 give the broad strokes and then we'll bring it back to the rocks but basically what what ends up happening is uh you know, she has an epiphany about, like, the way that she's, like, trying to fight her daughter and ends up deciding, like, no, she should fight more like her husband, who is just, like, you the know, cheery and amicable ever. the whole time. Yeah. So she starts yeah. 
using yeah, like, powers like it's, to take it's all of the important goons to note out that by, like fucking giving them orgasms and 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 fucking you know pulling hyper specific yeah. things from these interactions that they've had and then yeah. she because the in, the in, <clears throat> well, the entire movie her dad has been like pushing her to like you can't become like your daughter you have to fight her yeah and it's her husband that convinces her like no just be nice and it's like she all the stuff that she was learning so she can fight in the end she's like what if instead of using my power to become powerful i used it to understand people and it leads to a that very funny staircase fight where she's just empathizing with people and giving them orgasms and getting them married. Uh, but it yeah. ends up with her daughter well, saying, like, "I feel like we're emphasizing. I feel like we're emphasizing the orgasms too much." Yeah, it was here, like guys. one like, orgasm, but like, it was. Just it was. A funny it was. Thing. We only saw one was, on screen. It's fine, but like. As the as the daughter like, sinks like into the bagel is, like, and her, says, like helping them by like, or most of them is like her helping people by like either marrying them up or like giving or giving them a perfume that reminds them of their wife, fixing or, a problem yeah. with their spinal helping, alignment, ra- yeah. uh, giving them puppies, all sorts <laughs> yep. of things. But it's basically the the climax like, is, is the mother understands ratit- that she needs or to helping help people the with yeah. uh, with empathy more than combat and defensiveness and that leads to a breakthrough where when the daughter descends into the depressed nihilistic everything bagel she is able to put everything aside say i am your mother and pull her back out even though she's pulling away because jobu tabaki never wanted to destroy everything she just wanted a mom to help her and the mom wanted to help her daughter and it leads to another slow scene where they're just standing out by the car having a shot reverse shot conversation with no crazy cutting and no crazy music and it is an absolute gut punch to see the absurdity of the movie come to this head yeah um and like you know when when they're having this whole sort of you know they have all this whole conversation this like honest conversation about like you know the the mom has come to this realization she's like oh she's going to help her with empathy or whatever but that's like not even necessarily enough right is where it's yeah. like, oh, she tries to come out and like tell her father that her daughter has a girlfriend and it's going to be okay, and the daughter still yeah resists that. I thought that was really deft. Uh, like, <clears throat> it seemed like that was going to be the moment where the parents clicked. I yeah. think it was really deft for the for the daughter to pull away and for it to keep going. Yeah, because at the end like, of it, it's know, like no life, things are, yeah, things aren't just solved by one acknowledgement. They're solved by but, like muscling through it in a big way. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean, to bring it back like, to the rocks, know, but also like the dot for the daughter, uh, uh, for the, for the daughter, it's like, you know, this is like a lifetime of thing, uh, a, right. a lifetime of just kind of feeling neglected and ignored. And then like, you know, this one moment, it's like, uh, you know, you don't know how to feel about right, that yeah. where like it's, so you pull away. Yeah. And, you know, coming back to the rocks, like while they're. Ha- while the mother and daughter are hashing things out, you know, we're getting like all these cuts of the alternate un- of the other universes where we're, you know, universes where she's like uh, helping other people out, like, uh, you know, hel- helping the chef get back. Raccoon, get it right. Raccoon, yeah. You know, and in that universe where there are rocks, you know, we have like this shot where like the daughter is like trying to. The rock is trying to jump off a cliff and like the other gooey eyed rock, which is, you know, the mother uh, jumps along, jumps 
in following because like he's not gonna leave her daughter alone and that's very sweet yeah because it because uh, yeah. it, it basically mm-hmm. you know when she when she does all the sympathy she's like well i still want to go and the mom and <clears throat> and the mom has to be like yeah uh, you can go like you know giving her permission to go and letting her decide on her own that she wants to come back rather than you know holding her back from this thing that's probably destructive, you know, like basically like letting her be the one to make that choice to come back, which I think is important. So it's like, yeah, letting letting her rock self fall off the cliff and then come back or whatever. I guess we don't see the yeah. rock come back, but, you know, it's the no, we don't. same the, idea uh, as I, what's I happening can, with the I can confirm that according hole. to the directors that those rocks are still at the bottom of that canyon and that's just where they're going to be. Um, but the, uh, the last shot or, or like of the, even the earlier or even. Yeah, sorry. The the last shots of the movie are back in the IRS office where the whole family's there. Things seem a little better. Affections are running between everybody, including um, Evelyn and her husband, Wayman, who, like, were about to get divorced. And then they kiss for the first time in the whole movie. And then they sit down in front of Jamie Lee Curtis, and she is still hearing. Evelyn is still hearing bits of things from other universes and getting distracted, implying that it never ends. It always keeps going, and then that's it, and it's yeah. just like on a on a yeah. I mean, on a superficial level, her life is the same, right? They're still mm-hmm. dealing with taxes, still dealing with the bullshit of day to day existence. Even the IRS tax lady she's talking, uh, she's who's been a pain in her ass is still a little bit of a pain, not as much as before. Yeah. You know, she like we hear her go. Uh, yeah, so you listened to me, but you didn't listen to me, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, here's the problems with your taxes. It's, blah, you know, blah, 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 we, blah, we and, flip but, it. And on yeah, a superficial level, it seems everything's the same, but but y- you can tell that they're better equipped to handle it now. Yeah, you know? and, and so, to, to sort of, yeah. we sort of superficially also reference the connection between this and Undone, which we watched last month, but, like, Undone... Uh, did in season two especially did this thing where like it threaded back and forth between like oh is this real is this imagined you don't know okay it's this oh but it was maybe it wasn't real the whole time and i don't think that this movie plays with that conceit as actively but i really appreciated watching it uh again with the quote of like just pay like we gotta sift through all the noise to get to these specks of time where things make sense and and those are what matter like that's what we got to grab onto. And I think that there's this sort of meta interpretation of the film that you can have where if you only look at those more mundane moments, you still have a cogent story. If you sap out the multiverse stuff, these people are still going on a journey. And I like that you could interpret all this as having been imagined and it doesn't break anything about the movie or you could fully buy into it. And it also doesn't break anything. It's a, weirdly resilient structure that I think communicates the same or similar messages across very different interpretations. Cause I was going back and forth in my head over my watches and I'm like, I love this both ways. Yeah. Well, cause it's, you know, it's, it's, I was kind of wondering that at the end too, cause it's like there, you know, there's so much of this. It's like, they don't really play the card of like giving you doubt the throughout the top movie. At the end. Well, yeah, hold on. I, I just mean they don't really play the card throughout the movie of them giving doubt. Like all the other characters are reacting to the things that are happening, clearly mm-hmm. know that something strange is happening. It's not like they think that she's yeah. just the one experiencing it. Um, yes, correct. But with the way they set up the loose mechanics of the movie, you're hopping universes. They're not doing time travel. 
So then when the movie ends back at the beginning, that's the first time we've really seen that happen, which is not mm-hmm. because the mechanics are so loose. It's not like that definitely means that it was all in her head, but it does make you um, pause I don't, for a sec, right? And be like, yeah, oh, I think it does well, make you pause. If, yeah. if I'm looking strictly at the continuity, what I think was happening at the end, though, is uh, in one of the universes we see, Wayman talks to Deirdre, the IRS agent, and buys them an extra week. So I read okay. that as the final scene being just a week later. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so that could be, that's, yeah. But that yeah, wasn't, yeah. That wasn't was the universe we that's... started in also, though. Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah, that 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 threw me after my first watch. On my second watch, I was like, all right, I got to find where it can... Oh, it doesn't connect. It is a different universe. Because that was but basically the... like that was that universe was like, oh, this one is the same, except things are a little bit different rather than other yeah. universes where she's like a fucking chef the... or has hot dog hands or yeah. is a rock. Because the universe or... you start in... In the apartment at the very beginning, that one gets ends real fucked staircase. up. So, <laughs> yeah, that one ends in the staircase fight with the bagel, uh, and the one that we end in is introduced in the beginning of the second part of the movie. Presumably, where we're like, we're presumably, yeah, it seems yeah. like that's there are like at least two parallel lines there. But so it's complicated and tough to unpack. But those are the broad strokes of the film. Let's get into some of those details. What what thoughts do you guys have on this? What moments stood out? What techniques worked? What didn't work? There's so much here. And yeah. this is and I say this so and lovingly. This so movie much is exhausting. Yeah, no, ex- exhausting is a good word. Uh in a good way. Yeah. Uh, yes. Like uh, you know, uh the the rock the rock scene, right? You can split split it up into three parts. The beginning where they're just having this conversation and it's just a still static shot with like rocks with subtitles. Uh, the second part where like they put a twist on it where like suddenly the mom's rock like turns and has the oh, googly eyes it, that her husband eyes, yeah, puts on everything. Keeps putting on everything. Right. And uh, you know, her, her daughter's like, what, what you can't do this. Everything's inanimate here. <laughs> and she's like, there's no rules. Now I, and like in a very motherly way, go. I guess. Well, yeah, I'm gonna say motherly way. Go. I'm gonna get you. You know, like. Yep. How, yeah. Uh, that's I, I, that's how I read it. Like, Even though it was just text on a screen, I could hear yeah. Michelle Yeoh saying like, "I'm gonna get you," like in my head. Yeah, exactly. That- and of course, then the th- final shot where you know, like, uh, the daughter like uh, falls off the cliff the same way she. She goes into the everything bagel and, uh, you know, and the mother follows suit because she's not going to just leave her daughter alone. And yep. the fact that those three very minimal scenes gets a lot of emotions out. Yeah. The most minimalist in what is a very maximalist movie mm-hmm. uh, yeah. stand out quite a bit. Yeah. Well, because like. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it hits me in a weird way where it's just like this, this movie gave me, uh, I mean, this is kind of a weird reference because I think this movie is probably more well known than the one I'm about to reference, but it kind of gave me John Dies mm-hmm. at the End vibes. Um, mm. if you're at all familiar with that movie or the book, really, but I, I read the yeah. book. I did not see the movie. Yeah, but it, it has the same kind of energy of like, you know, sort of mechanically working into the story just like random ass things like totally like as bizarre as you can think of things happening at any given moment um and this movie 
it walked a weird line where I feel like it had a lot of that, but at the same time, it sort of also in some ways felt like it didn't even have enough of that because it's like you'd go through periods of time where like, you know, you know, she's just switching into other universes that are just like, oh, she's got a different job or whatever. And then there's other moments where there are rocks or they've got hot dog hands or they're fucking doing raccoonies. Well, well, it's important to note that like, yeah, I mean, it's more to note like the importance of those other universes is to see the other possibilities of her choices. Sure, but I, I guess it just if means she like run away, if she hadn't run away with her husband, right? And, yeah, but I, uh, I don't know. I guess yeah, I just stayed with. Her I dad. guess I just mean that like you know, for a movie that is shuffling through a bunch of different multiverses to show us like a bunch of wacky things like hot dog hands and and Rakakuni. We only get, like, actually, like, five other universes that we, like, consistently shuffle into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, like, I mean, it's it, even that is enough to feel chaotic because in, yeah. in those montages and those quick cut scenes, we get, you know, we see the rocks, we see the animation, we see uh, they're in a jail, they're in a movie theater, they're in, like, we see a lot of glimpses, but there are only a few heavy hitters that we return to. They're I, yeah. I guess, I don't and know, I guess I was just kind of hoping I, for I think that's a more, necessary uh, restraint. Well, Sorry. I don't know, because I feel like yeah. to sell that point, like, having a few more, like, really weird universes as just, like, background one-off things, I think could have helped. They exist. They exist in very brief the, form there, especially those ones them, where, like, we see, um, where we see where we see those rapid fire cuts, like literally yeah. a different thing every frame. There are literally hundreds of things, but for such a small, relatively small production, like I remember noticing how quick the credits went by. I'm like, oh, this was not a huge production. Yeah, like it's it's extremely economical, and I think it's smart. Yeah, like and like, it's economical, but they get the most out of yeah. it. You know, like I remember thinking like the cost, the costuming or the costuming, like they go through a lot of different kinds of costumes. Like the costumer must have had their work cut. Yeah, especially with know? Joy. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah they they, uh, <laughs> they they spoke to that in the director's commentary. Another thing about the uh, economical nature of this movie is. Um, there wasn't they didn't have like a VFX house doing stuff from what I from what they described anyway it was like the two directors and some of their like editors and uh and like production designers once covid hit cuz most of this movie was shot right before covid and then covid hit uh, a lot of the visual effects in this movie was just like eight of them on zoom meetings learning after effects together <laughs> Yeah, you can tell. And that like and 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 they pointed it out in <laughs> yeah, the credits no, and I saw there're only five credited VFX artists on this movie. And like Yeah, no, they they make a lot of use bigger of than jump that. cuts and uh They're yeah, very hard cuts, yeah. But like a lot know, of clever stuff. Yeah, I was it's like yeah, because like the because the movie has such like a weird chaotic vibe i feel like they get away with a lot of that stuff where it's just like oh for yeah. if we're doing a thing where this daughter can just do anything right like why would it look like a cool effect it might just look like a fucking jump cut you know what i mean <laughs> like that makes yeah. just as much sense as it being like this you know flamboyant mm-hmm. fucking after effects shot or whatever you know what i mean so it's just like yeah yeah that that all works really naturally and there, it's not like 
it's not like so janky that it's like distracting. I think everything was very cleverly shot to kind of accommodate that kind of like lack of, uh, there is such a strong sense of tone and style for a movie that is tonally all over the place. Yeah. It feels very deliberate in a way where I was like, they had to have nailed down all these little beats beforehand because, uh, I look at this movie and I anytime I see something like, oh, that is clearly an animatronic raccoon. No living thing moves in that particular way. Yeah. But no part of me was like, I wish they did a better raccoon. Every part of me is like that totally fits and I love it and I'm here for it. Give me more of this animatronic raccoon where things that could be seen as flaws in other movies like come across as beauty marks in here as like part of the reason to enjoy it. And like the 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 flaw the flaws are a feature, not a bug, and that's to the point where like I think uh, it's I think it's, that just it I is think that reinforces deliberate... what the movie's about, you know? Sure. Yeah, and um, I think the uh, what was I about to say? Hold on, no, I don't want to lose this. Um, oh, it's it's and it makes it all the more impressive when you consider the fact that like this is also an action movie. Because yeah. there are a lot of very intricate fight scenes that yeah, are very clear send up of Hong Kong style action movies. And, you know, you got like, Michelle Yeoh like, w- in your Wusha, lead role. Jackie Chan stuff, uh, uh, Bruce Lee martial arts films, like the whole the whole 10 miles is here, man. Like, yeah, especially in the, all, uh, in the scene uh, where the like, husband is like fighting off a bunch of guys with a fanny pack as his only weapon. Like that definitely felt like very, uh, very Jackie Chan. Very Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much like, let me take whatever I've got and use it as a weapon. And then he just it's, like um, sits down and reaches behind him and picks up rocks from an aquarium and puts it into mm-hmm. the fanny pack to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It is. The- <laughs> And I, I think the the butt plug fight scene is notable because it's got two guys trying to get butt plugs in in the middle of their fighting. Yeah. But also, it, it was just another one of those, like, classic kind of like, hey, let's just stick the camera in one spot. One actor, one fighter is trying to keep the butt plug away from the other person. And it's just them <laughs> doing excellent choreography on top of each other. And it's like, it's. Just like yeah, what I was saying have, before, uh, it's one of those things where if you took either element on its own, both those elements are great, but they come together so well. Yeah. And it's it, it every time, every moment that I'm watching this movie and realizing, like you said, like they're always setting these things up to pay them off later. I'm like, this had to be one of the most deliberate movies. And it's like the amount of stuff that was figured out after the shoot, the amount of things that were improvised, the amount of things that were changed. It's like it. The way that the directors describe, and they're also the writers described it during the commentary, I was like, "Was this movie held together with like gum and duct tape? Like, what the f- this? <laughs> like, I I want I, mean, I want to know. The truth is, every w- movie's held together by gum and duct tape. That's true, duct but tape. all artists held together by gum and duct, it's duct just, tape. Really, it's it's, it's a miracle those, anything gets made. It's one of those things where like I'm looking at how absolutely absurd and like stuffed to the brim this movie is, and it is exhausting because there is so much happening and so much of it is effective. That like, what would it take to break it? Like at at, at any point in the movie, I feel like it could have gone off the rails, but through like a sheer sense of vision and like through their collaborators and the excellent performances and the music, like something always pulls you back in. 
And it's it's always vacillating back and forth. Like any time that you're in way too deep in an emotional moment, right before I had a chance to get cynical about it, of like a stupid joke would come across the screen, and now I'm laughing. Yeah, but I, it, I was like watching but it didn't the. Break it. I was watching the you know the movie, and I was just like you know I was into it, and you know like I I like all the weird stuff that's going on, but I'm like okay you know. I've seen stuff before, like, you know, like, I, I don't yeah. know if it's really, really biting into me yet until the reveal that the fucking big, big bad thing was a was a bagel with literally everything on it. I was just like, all right, I'm in. I'm fully in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think part of, part of what makes all this insanity work is that the characters, all the characters managed to ground yeah. it, you know, the core characters of... Evelyn, Wayman, Gong, and uh, Joy, all and Deidre. Deidre's pretty good too, kinda, actually. Yeah, she ended no, up being great. way more important. Deidre was also good than too. I thought that she would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, same. I wasn't expecting her to be so important, and yet here we are. But uh, uh, yeah, and you know, I, I think well, really, uh, good understanding of these characters this movie has is how Evelyn is very like. Or uh, kind of dismisses like her husband, who throughout the movie kind of comes off as kind of dopey and naive yeah. and a little too nice. Uh, but like you know, at, at the climax of the movie, we kind we get we learn that his kindness, his niceness, is not from naivety, but from an understanding that the world can be tough, and that is exactly the reason why you should be nice. And, yeah. Like, uh, and while Evelyn throughout the movie is very cold and like very closed off from everyone, and it it speaks to like a very a very specific kind of immigrant experience, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, uh, people of color, people who are immigrants. It, it's very often that women uh, have to like toughen up because they have to deal with the bullshit of their own culture and the bullshit of the culture they're coming yeah. in. Like, and you see it in the movie too, where like we, where she like gets memories of her birth and her, uh, and her father's <laughs> like, Oh, it's not a son. No, it's like, I believe the specific thing is, uh, is like the doctor is just like, I'm sorry. It's a girl. <laughs> and yeah. like, he's very yeah. dis- disappointed and distraught. And then like, you know, uh, another, another scene where his, her father's like, you go with that fool and I am disowning you. And, you know, that kind of stuff is very real. Yeah. It speaks to a very real kind of truth that uh, immigrant women have to face, you know, like, uh, like, you know, taking me, for example, like, yeah, I deal with racism and stuff, but like, I'm also a cisgendered female attracted dude. Right. Yeah. I, I'm playing this on easy mode. I <laughs> And while like, and so, so it makes sense why Evelyn and Wayman are the way they are. And like, and like, you know, Evelyn's journey is very gratifying because it's her learning to open up and be more emotionally vulnerable with the people around her. Yeah. And specifically paying attention, paying specifically paying attention to the people around her, learning to recognize what her family has to offer, what yeah. her family needs to change and what her family needs from her is all stuff that, given how dense this movie is, could have been lost, but in the editing and in the performances, they know exactly when to hit those moments home, and they hit. 
they hit really hard. Well, it's like, you know, but, you know, we do still end the movie where it's just like at the beginning of the movie, this is another, you know, uh, Chekhov's thing that like that the daughter is talking to her girlfriend and is describing her mom. She says, like, you know, if she insults you, that means that she cares. And like the last thing that the last interaction that the mom and the girlfriend have is she tells her that she should grow her hair out. (laughs) So it's just like, okay, there's still some flawed, you know, like reservation here. But it's indicative it, it's of uh, the story doesn't yeah. end, but yeah, it, it's still that, like a, it's, it's an a indication. Sh- I think of it's to show it that to show that balance oh. between like you learn something, but you're still a person, right? Yeah, and like the 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 thing with the dad or the um the husband rather like definitely caught me off guard because like I definitely was not while watching the movie expecting you know, there to be a larger payoff of of the narrative of him being, like, such a nice guy. And then it became... Because it's like, the movie is not ultimately, you know, it's more about the relationship... I'm not going to say it's not about this, but it's more about the relationship between the mother and the daughter. So then when we For get sure. this big, you know, resonant moment of, like, oh, this is all the ways that she takes her husband for granted and like how, what Mm -hmm. are the strengths of the things that the way that he approaches the world, it becomes like this big moment where it's just like, you know, after she freaks the fuck out and breaks a window while the IRS agent is coming in to like get their business, you know, taken away Mm -hmm. from them, the, the dad, you know, starts talking to the IRS agent and she's thinking like, oh, my stupid husband is only going to make things worse. And then she's like, and then the IRS agent comes yeah. back and she's like, all right, you got another week. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? That's, what? <laughs> that's got to be such a tough balance to strike in yeah. the script and like the, having the actors yeah. carry it out. It's critical. But like trying to, on one hand, make sure that all the characters that you're going to name are like well-rounded enough that you enjoy seeing them on screen but also making sure that each one of them is absolutely critical to the emotional journey of your protagonist yeah that seems like it's a i think the one piece of dialogue that i that took me out of the movie the only time in the movie where i was like oh okay was when waymond and it was part of this resonant moment he's like all i know is that we have to be kind. And that's something that right, felt more yeah. like it was written than it was said. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the only time that the balance between character and plot device for each of these people in the movie, I think, falls off kilter a bit. And it, I, I'm sure that was an economical thing. Like, we need a quick, concise thing that he can deliver powerfully that doesn't eat up time in the edit and moves us to the deeper parts of this moment. That's my read on it. But, like, yeah, but... That's the only time that happened. Yeah. For me anyway, as a And viewer. like which is which is impressive. It is. Which is an impressive thing because like, you know, th- I I can see the universe where this character didn't go so well where like mm-hmm. the writers unintentionally made him in- incompetent and like kind of a burden on the women characters in his yeah. life cuz like, you know, this that kind of character can go in that direction if you're not careful, but no, they make sure to make him responsible and a mature adult yeah. mm-hmm. even if he I mean, has these qualities that seem childlike alternatively like if it had gone kind of further too like it it might have come off like a oh but here's our man savior coming in to actually solve the problem and i don't think it yeah and, yeah. and again it's yeah, it's all about exactly that balance they strike between him as like serving the purpose that he serves in like the emotional journey of the movie 
but then keeping him a character, I think pull too far in either direction. You've yeah. got exactly what you two just said. Yeah, right. Because like basically what ends up happening with that is like, oh, she has this epiphany based on him, yeah, exactly. you know, him being virtuous and, and saving the day a little bit. But that's not enough to actually do anything. What has to come from after that is her taking this information and then, you know, mixing it with her own like skills and brand and everything like that and then that's what is actually the yeah. thing that you know ultimately because like even i think it's mm-hmm. important too like this is a kind of quick moment but like you know she's having this uh this moment of resonance with her daughter in the parking lot when she's trying to convince her you know not to go into the bagel and uh she basically like admits like yeah i don't want to be here doing this like i i don't care about like all of your shit and everything and the dad's in the background going like stop you don't have to do that. But it's just like she's got to be a little bit blunt, right? Because if yeah. she's just totally nice, this is what, you know, made the daughter pull away to begin with because it's mm-hmm. like that's not her. You know, they're, they're, it's like a combination of these two things is like yeah. the sincerity of, mm-hmm. you know, like the things that's that she a, like is that feeling. But then the fact that she still wants to be there and work it out because she still loves her daughter, even if she, you know, is annoyed by things and they don't always see eye to eye and stuff like that, you know. But yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I like the, the the nuance of like, like I one of you said it, like yeah. the fact that yeah, exactly. Like basically, yeah, no, no, makes sense. All of their individual personalities are important parts to the to like to the resolution of the movie. It's not just you know one person kind of coming in the savior, right? Yeah. Nobody's there just as the comic relief. Everybody has their laugh moment. Everybody has their tearjerker moment. Uh, Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis shoving her hot dog fingers into Michelle Yeoh's ketchup dripping yeah, I mouth. I love the alt universe. Is, it is as were, funny were as it is emotional. And, and it's like, and that should are in work. A, a lesbian relationship to each, with each other and they have hot dog hands. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> They did, and and, and uh, just so many little visuals. About, I just got to go off on this little tangent. This is I love so how what kind of attention was put into this because like Deirdre in the main it's universe always has yeah. a carpal tunnel brace on her left hand when she's playing piano with her feet in the hot dog universe. She has a carpal tunnel brace on her fucking foot. Uh, in the middle of in the middle of Evelyn like grappling with nihilism at is what like the Act Four low point of the movie. Like she pushes Deirdre away, and instead of walking out sadly, yeah. <laughs> she's carrying her purse with her foot and hopping away like a kangaroo with her fucking hot dog fingers. Like that's what it, that's what I mean about those moments where like it, it, so many movies that try to get overly preachy and emotional. Part of what allows you to bump against it is you spend so much time in those moments that like your active brain kicks in and is like, okay, well this isn't how it would actually happen. But when you, you're a, I almost have the amount of time I need to hit that point, and then you come at me with yeah, it's like kangaroo okay, hot purse on foot, hot dog fingers <laughs> flapping in the breeze. Like I can't, I can't sink into it. Yeah, and it's just like so. It gives me the laugh I need to keep me in the movie and keep me with the momentum. But then I still have the emotion that came with it, and I just. I can't yeah. believe I'm going to say this. I think the secret ingredient to this movie, and this is good. This sounds, this is not what I thought I was going to say coming in. <laughs> I think the secret weapon in this movie is restraint because this <laughs> yeah. movie has so many, like, I mean, absurdist things exist. This is not the only absurdist movie in existence, and it's not the most absurd that I've seen, but like, 
it created a language for itself that justifies doing literally anything. Eating chapstick, sticking your finger in your dad's mouth, falling on sticks and poking out your eyes, hot dog fingers, rocks with googly eyes chasing people off cliffs, and like literally a million other things. And all of that is rational and justified. And I'm like wondering... If you give the wrong person that kind of power to have any stupid thing make sense in a movie, how easy is it to overdo it? Because somehow this movie doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's, right. I guess it's not just the idea of restraint, but like disciplined restraint, knowing when to employ it and when not to. It feels like a magic trick because this movie is exhausting. But at the end of it, I'm like, I'm happy to be exhausted because... It was worth like the mental and emotional yeah, work. You know, the- it was I had so much fun going to all those places. Uh, even in the commentary, they talked about a screenwriting technique of like you need to like assign numeric value to the emotional intensity of your scenes. And every time you have a scene that's a ten, you got to come back down to a five. And they were like, <laughs> "We said fuck it, we're going to do tens across the board, yeah. and it's a risky." thing. You know, the more we talk about it, another movie that this really reminds me of is uh, is uh, Rubber. You seen that movie? Char, I know you've seen it. The first time we went to watch that movie, we were like, oh, this we did an be episode fun. on that. Watch a good, bad yeah, movie. Oh, and yeah, we, we fucked did. up because uh, we... Rubber is actually a really fucking good movie. <laughs> it's, um, it's basically an absurdist. <laughs> yeah, like, I, it's basically, and, the, you know, aside from just the, you know, wacky nature of the things that happen in that movie and the things that happen in this movie, uh, they both do have a bit of, like, philosophical absurdism to them as well where it's just like you know it, it's also looking at this idea of like mm-hmm. okay i like this is exemplified the most for me in the in the like the second bit with the rocks where you know she puts on the googly eyes and the daughter is saying like you can't do that mm-hmm. here right it is basically like you know it's sort of like the daughter is in this nihilistic state where she's just like there's no rules. Nothing matters. Is all like nothing. And the mother is kind of in this absurdist state where she's like, yeah, there's no rules. So we can do whatever the fuck we want. That's, you know, it's kind of like the two different, you know, the, the more optimistic take mm-hmm. of that versus the more pessimistic take of that. Those are. That's actually you hit on explicitly like one of those things that came out after the fact it, it was. um at the very end of that scene in the parking yeah. lot at the end, before you cut into the little coda, the part three there, like when they're just, when they finally hug and it's all coming out and she says, nothing matters, or it's like, yeah. uh, the last word she says are nothing matters before it fades to black. And that was something that was pulled in as ADR, like from an earlier point in the movie that was not in the script. And they were like, they saw that point that you just said and they were right, like, oh yeah. <laughs> shit, that's kind of like the point of everything. Bloop, drop that line in. While her mouth is not facing the camera. And it's one of those things where I get yeah. I'm like, you were so close to this not working. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And and like here's the thing about uh not- or her saying nothing matters. Uh the way I saw it, it's her saying half the full phrase, you yeah. know, like uh uh curiosity killed the cat, satisfaction brought back. In this case, nothing matters. So that means everything matters. You know? Uh yeah, I mean, I for me, the the two movies yeah, that kept coming to that. my mind when I was watching it were Scott Pilgrim versus the World and Tenet, both for totally different reasons. Yeah, 
but like where it's uh, where yeah, Scott Pilgrim Scott definitely Pilgrim shares the chaotic too. energy of this movie. Although Scott Pilgrim seems like a fucking church nativity scene by comparison. Um, like it, it's one of those movies that is like using the absurdism to heighten the emotional impact of things when you finally slow down. For Tenet, it was that thing where like watching the movie the first time, I was like, I had those moments like you, Jeff, before you hit yeah, the right. bagel where I'm like. <laughs> I don't really know if I need what this movie is offering. But then by the time I get to the end and I see the forest for the trees and I see the whole thing forward and backward, I'm like, this is a strange masterpiece. And I, I full disclosure, I like Tenet. I like this movie a lot more than I like Tenet. But in the same way, we're like, it's one of those things where once I went back to it a second time with perspective, I expected my extra knowledge of it to soften the impact of the movie but it made it greater i was just as devastated the second time watching this movie every time the daughter tried to pull away every time that gong gong uh like was just dismissive of evelyn like those hit just as hard the second time because it yes i knew what emotional beats were coming but having the full framework for all the mechanics at play in the space they're playing in just made me get with them more and so I I don't know I very and like, few movies and like that for round me. of applause, yeah yeah and round of applause to the actors they mm-hmm. managed to like really be great in it like uh, Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn, fantastic <sighs> so and good. like you know we've seen Michelle Yeoh in other things so we know she's fantastic and I I think the really impressive one was uh ah oh man I'm gonna really butcher this name uh Quan K Hui. Yeah, uh, he was really good. He plays uh, he plays a uh, right. Wayman. Uh, oh yeah, he was a uh, short round in Indiana Jones that. and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. yeah he, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. Right. Like uh, he's most well known for when he, he was a child actor and he played short round in Indiana Jones and Data in The Goonies. And uh, well, there were The Goonies was the last movie he did. Until four decades later, almost, with this movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And, like, four decades, it doesn't look it. It's He's an incredible actor, even four decades later, and he manages to make make that character work. He does look four decades older, for sure. But, but no, Chatter, I totally agree, like... And I think it's it's low key one of my favorite parts of the movie is especially in the in part two after she accesses all the universes she spends a lot of time in the universe where she was a film star and she just has a back alley conversation with Wayman about what could have been and his like he shifts tone so often in the movie going from alpha Wayman to regular Wayman but like this like quiet sophisticated thoughtful meditative version of him in the green lit back alley saying like i would love to do laundry and taxes with you yeah and it's it's one of those things that's totally very different from the rest of the movie but it breathes well and i think those their performances are so subtle there in a movie that is not subtle in a lot of other places and the range on display is incredible. I honestly, like, I heard he stepped away from acting. I didn't know until right now, yeah, Chatter, that wild. it was Goonies than this. That is incredible. How does he maintain exactly. this level of finesse, physical dedication? Like, th- he, Wayman is 
one of the best supporting characters I've seen in a movie. Hands down. Because, like, there's basically three Waymans. You know, you got the ultra-serious action movie hero, Alphaverse Wayman. You got the dopey, kind, childlike uh, OG universe. And then you got, you know, the one you were just talking about, the one from the uh, universe where uh, Evelyn was a movie star who who's just this very quiet, meditative dude. Yeah. Uh, and, like... They all feel dis- like distinct characters and yet still feel the same. It, it's very good. And, uh, you know, he he just brings this quali- this sort of adorable quality where you just want to hug him. He's, yeah. he's very good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why that moment that stood out where he's like, I just need us all to be kind. Like, it does bump a little bit. But like Jeff said, like, you could imagine this could be this guy because yeah. he is like the most earnest person in the whole movie. If anyone's going to say it, it's got to be him. So I don't know. Yeah. God there. And there are so many small moments that I could keep on going on about, but like, and yeah, the only other thing I can think of to talk about is just because we're, I mean, maybe this is, we want to save this for a different conversation at a different time, but like just the fact that we've, done so many like specifically like multiverse stories like this year specifically it sort of feels like i don't know i i'd like at some Mm -hmm. point and again maybe this would be a better conversation to have like about a doctor strange or something like that but have a grander conversation about the way that the mechanic of like multiverse is used for the narrative because i i sort of would like to see you know, I like superhero movies a lot, mm-hmm. and I would sort of like to see a superhero movie that uses the multiverse mechanic in a bit more like this, where they're willing to just, like, go to a bunch of different places rather than just having the yeah. the multiverse thing be a cameo machine for, you know what I mean? It's just like, could we have more, like, wacky characters of yeah. wacky alternate yep. versions of these characters that aren't yeah, specific I mean- references to ones that we've seen in other media? Yeah, or, you I don't know what think I mean? I've gotten... Just like, yeah, because when I think of as much as yeah. I love multiverse stuff and like, you know, I always talk about Star Trek that does it. But like if I'm thinking about the last like property that did multiverse in a narratively resonant way before this and undone, right. yeah. I'm I'm probably going 10 years back to look at Bioshock. Like it's it, I, I don't feel like I've gotten a lot of multiverse stuff that is explicitly and, this and, kind and, of And even then, thing. Bioshock Infinite, uh, I'm going to say I looking back, I just. Don't think Bioshock Infinite was that good story wise, man. Yeah, uh, it's it. But, we but haven't that, had that is a, what I'm saying is we haven't had anything. Yeah. I could have a whole other conversation about the Bioshock games, but like Bioshock Infinite was explicitly a meditation on how the multiverse can be used to explore these kinds of things. And I feel like, yeah, Jeff's yeah. right. Every other thing I've seen in the interim has been either the cameo machine or like a one off episode of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, like nothing, like, nothing is like the way I always kind of saw the multiverse was like it's this thing created by comic book writers mm-hmm. to justify right. <laughs> selling you the same story over and over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again ad infinitum. Uh, and like that got translated over to the superhero movies where it's yeah, like but an it's also like there's also a difference you when, more when doing the multiverse and stuff is like okay, like are we talking like, about this is a vehicle every, for them to do alternate universe stuff where they're doing other stories and do different versions of the different characters and stuff like that versus 
multiverse stuff where mm-hmm. I feel like there's relevance to the original, you know, the original universe. So like we're actually seeing these things cross over with each other, you know, because like all yeah. universe stuff like, I have, I have no problem with, yeah. but multiverse yeah, where, stuff where the importance like, isn't you know it it becomes too tempting to just use it as a way to like you know be like and hey here's professor x from the x-men movies and you know <laughs> here's the fucking here's here's uh jim from the office as as uh as Here. fantastic four for <laughs> as all right the, finally everyone it's, it's glup shit like <laughs> yeah yeah but and and like move and like yeah and like Turn movies down. like everything everywhere all at once and uh, Unbound undone. are undone. I'm done. Oh my god! Why do I keep saying Unbound? <laughs> uh, un- and un- well, undone, I see are like a response to that. They're going, hey, what if we take this and uh, I think do I think more it, with it. multiverse more yeah. broadly than just comic books has, is just a sci-fi tool also. But I I I appreciate. I understand it as a sci- it's a sci-fi tool, but yeah, I appreciate Jeff's distinction between multiverse as an application of alternate universes for the sakes of you know cutting loose storytelling obligations, and also or and multiverse as a tool to like explore something in a mu- sort of micro fashion. I think that's a. I don't know if there is a delineation well, there like, in the creation so much well, as your I perception, also think, like, but I, I don't like know that if it's perception. Necessarily... I would like to use that lens going Sorry, forward. Man. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I would I would like to argue that there is a superhero movie that does Spider-verse. do something yeah. similar to what this movie does. Days of Future Past? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yep. Yes, 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 yes. Spider-Verse does a great job with that. It uses the alternate universe Spider-Man and woman to... Uh, reinforce Miles's character development. So I, I guess, like, because what I was about to say was, like, you know, I feel like this and Undone really, you know, get the best use out of the un- out of the multiverse thing because they're not like shackled to all of this like old media that they're feeling like they have to reference with it. Whereas, like, yeah. There are no temptations right. and, to succumb know, like, to I'm, when there I'm isn't right a fucking with, library with of characters using the tool to, to do from. some cameos and some crossovers and right. stuff like that. But I would also like, you know, like, you know, multi- uh, Spider-Verse does this to an extent, but, you know, for the for the most part, it's just like a vehicle for getting there to be a new Peter Parker, right, to, to like, work with Miles. Like, they don't really go full on in on all the multiverse stuff, you know what I mean? There are also yeah. very yeah, and if we're comparing it specifically yeah, to everything, everywhere, all at once, there like most of the extra Spider Mans that we right. get in Spider Verse don't well, have the same kind of depth that all the multiverse no, characters we have here are. That's not to criticize Spider Verse at all, but like they are pu- they are pulling in slightly different well, directions. I, I guess what I like the, the end of yeah, I thought there what I was going to say with that was like I would like to sort of see you know this kind of you know, full on use of the multiverse idea in a narrative that, you know, is maybe also allowed to yes. have a few cameos. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the last few times that we've gotten it done well or done poorly, like in the case of, you know, Spider-Man and not Spider-Verse, sorry, but in the case of uh, No Way Home and in the case of Doctor Strange is like, you know, 
they were both basically used as mechanics for getting like meaningful cameos in there and crossover. And, you know, sometimes in the case of like No Way Home, that can be done really well, but it was still for that intent. Right. And, you know, maybe we'll have a different conversation about Doctor Strange, but I I think that was not as as successful in that regard. Um, But yeah, no, that's a good point, though, about Spider-Verse. I think Spider-Verse does it well. I don't think it like really bites into the concept of it but at least it's not just like a at least it's not just like a crossover yeah. thing oh yeah I mean, no, no. Spider-Verse doesn't they're not like, like specific movies that we've seen before yeah yeah spider-verse yeah. yeah exactly like spider-verse doesn't reach the heights of everything yeah, but, everywhere well, like, spider-verse once, is but, also like, allowing itself to do some of the more gimmicky stuff yeah, like no for, you know, for sure our, our kind of uh stand in for the hot dog hands and the rocks are like fucking noir spider-man and and spider ham right it's just like we're we're allowed to be like oh yeah there's really wacky worlds out there whereas in like a doctor strange we'll get a flash of a paint world but everything else just takes place in a you know (laughs) relatively similar world yeah Commits they to didn't the rock commit. World. They didn't commit yeah. to the paint world the way that this movie committed to the rocks. Yeah, exactly. Thank you both for a very hectic and exciting discussion. Now we are moving on to the rating section where we're each going to uh, rate the topic on a scale from 1 to 10. Uh, hot dog fingers seems perfect because that's a 10. Plug trophies. You got 10 fingers. I got 10 hot dogs, don't I? Yeah. Calling the hot dog eating champ. Um. Yeah, uh, so we'll do we'll do a scale from one to ten. Hot dog fingers, chowder. You went first in the intro, so you're you're up first in the uh, in the ratings. How are you how are you feeling about this film? Okay, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say ten out of ten. It's, Damn, it's a lot of hot dogs. Almost, it's almost that's a lot of hot dogs, man. Yeah, uh, you gotta pace yourself. A lot of mustard and ketchup. A lot of mustard and ketchup in my face. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, what is just there to say that I haven't said? in the rest of the podcast like the writing and storytelling is poignant the insanity uh, that you see all the action scenes that you see really good the comedy hits the actors are all on point just it's it's a movie that just does what it's supposed to near perfectly uh personally just related to so much of what happened in the movie because uh, it's very much an immigrant story, and I, under, under, I can I can understand that from a personal level. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's why I give it ten out of ten. Nice. Call. So I am gonna join Chatter. Ten hot dogs. Ten uh, hot dogs. Ten. That's ten twenty hot dogs. fucking hot dogs that's on the tw- table. That is. That means ten people into whose mouths these hot dogs can be shoved. I adore this movie, and like I said earlier, it is a movie that is so, that has such a strong identity, language, tone, and message that anything that might bump you out of it doesn't seem like a flaw as much as it does a beauty mark. I very much feel that way about this, that because of the framework it established for itself and how much I bought into it, 
I don't think there's any part of this movie you could point me to and say this is why it's bad that I wouldn't say, no, that's why it's good. Um, yeah. To contrast Chowder, I do not relate very directly to many of these characters beyond the general sense of anxiety and like existential dread that I think the movie is trying to commentate upon. Um, but, uh, but like, for example, like uh, my partner is a mother. I am not a mother, nor am I a father. So uh, I, I also don't have particularly I mean, close I knew, ties. I knew you were not a father. <laughs> I, I, didn't, did. I didn't know your, your partner was a father. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, uh, I also don't have like particularly close ties to my family. Um, and so with all these things, it's like if you look at the core relationships between Evelyn and Waymond and Joy, like there's not a lot there that reflects me. But I remember... Uh, my partner telling me like this is feels that is exactly how it feels to be a mother in these instances and i'm just like the movie gave me so much compelling performance and context that like it wasn't lost on me at all like i don't share these experiences but the film has communicated them to me as a viewer that still felt resonant and still left me in tears at multiple points uh and that just echoes some of the things I said earlier. Like, this movie could work so many different ways, and it does work in all those different ways, and I think this is another one of them. Uh, I think it is wonderful that Chowder has a movie that reflects him and makes him feel that way. I think it's also wonderful that it doesn't reflect me at all, and I still feel that way. That is that t- that is yeah. such a strength of a movie, to be able to tell this story and tell it so well that it is affecting on all these levels. Um, it, it is a movie that just creates empathy and yes. engenders empathy I think. Uh, yeah. it is it is one of my favorite movies damn yeah I, I, I you know I mostly agree with you guys I, I like this movie a lot I don't know if I'm quite on a full 10 out of 10 level I'd say I'd probably go like like a like a good 8 hot dogs out of 10 that's a um, standard pack of hot dogs baby yeah and you know still a lot of hot dogs to eat in one sitting um <laughs> Twenty-eight hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't have like, I, I I can't say I have like specific criticisms of it that really like drag it down two points or anything like that. Just like you know, in terms of things that I that I've watched that I'm like, damn, I really really like that. I was just like, you know, I finished this and I was like, that had some cool moments and a lot of what the fuck stuff, which I appreciate. Um, But ultimately, I was just like, yeah, that was pretty good. Not as much as like a, this has to be my whole life now for at least a week. Yeah. Uh, so not quite at that 10 out of 10 level for me. But yeah, no, it was a really well done movie. And I, you know, I appreciate all of the fucking like, you know, Hong Kong action movie stuff that was tossed in there. Like it just like really t- uh, taking advantage of like the absurdity of like the premise of like being like, oh yeah, you have to do random things in this fight. And then you're also... You know, I, I some of it felt a little bit unrealistic, but you know, then I was kind of pushing back against that thought when I was watching it because I'm like, this is not supposed to be realistic. Yeah. <laughs> but I did appreciate all of the like different fighting yeah. styles that were derivative of her alternate universe jobs. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. she's like, I, I fucking love the scene where the 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 one verse jumper comes in and she's fucking using her goddamn dog on a on a uh, uh, on a leash yeah. as, as a fucking weapon and then yeah. uh, Michelle Yao's character uses her fucking cook 
persona to like when the dog is being hurled at her, she like reaches up into the air with some knives and she cuts the leash and the dog just goes flying off into the background and just hits the wall. Yeah, like clearly a stuffed dog, <laughs> clearly yeah. a stuffed dog, but the and sound of the <laughs> as it flew away yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> It didn't need to be that funny, and it was. Yeah, there's a lot of really funny moments in the movie and a lot of really touching moments. And I don't know, I guess there's still a part of me that wished that, that wished that, like, the absurd, like, comedy root of it got pushed maybe a little bit further, because there were some, like, legitimately really funny moments, but then there were also, like, a lot of times where it felt like, oh, yeah, we haven't really gotten, like, a... A real mm-hmm. joke in a while, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but it it did sort of feel like you know, um, like the tone was shifting around a little bit sometimes, uh, and, and and not a way that is entirely bad, but noticeable, I guess. But yeah, so you know, eight out of ten, still pretty good. I, I really liked the the movie, um, but yeah, I think that's a probably a good spot to wrap it up. Woo! Thank you all for listening to the Common Geeking Program. Again, I have been your host, Jeff Levitt. Uh, if you want to find me on the on the internets, uh, I do a toy review channel on YouTube that's called uh, Alchemist Prime Reviews. Again, I've been joined by Chowder and Colin, where either of you guys got stuff you want to toss Chowder, out there you prefer. into the and, metaverse. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Timel underscore Chowder. I do art stuff there and... Uh, I'm also on our sister podcast, uh, Dice Populi. Uh, have we gotten to the final story arc, the n- new age yet? Or uh, not just on, yet. Uh, not just yet. That'll be out in a couple weeks. It'll, it'll, it'll be there soon. Uh, yeah, I'm Colin. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I've been putting a lot of work into that Dice Populi show, but also uh, the TV show I got to work on is premiering at Tribeca Film Festival this weekend, and I'm going to go see it. Our friend Jocelyn is one of the lead editors on it. I did very piddly work, and she's doing crazy work on it. So uh, I'm going to go down to the city and see that, and that's going to be very cool. Uh, so I guess uh, keep an eye out for Pantheon if ever you can, but I worked on that a little bit, and it's very exciting. Good shit. Um so yeah, uh, that that's been us and all of our info. Uh, our next episode is going to be another common briefing program, which is going to be airing on the first Friday in July. Which oh boy, we got video that's game July first. That's July first. Yeah. is the first Friday in July. That means we got to record like pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, and then it's our fine. next, uh, our next geeking program episode where we do another deep dive into another piece of media will be on the third friday in july which will be on or around july 15th uh so stay tuned for both of those things but uh yeah anyway thank you for listening and subscribing and sharing and everything that you do and we will talk to you next time bye-bye now Dur. i didn't even hear a chow no, he didn't. He oh, didn't I say didn't it. say chow. No, he didn't say it. Yet. Oh, Dur. alternate universe chowder doesn't. It's actually Dur Chow. This is his name in this universe. I, I was so hoping we he... say Dur, and then he says Chow. You say Dur, and we say Chow. I was hoping he'd pick up on it, but alas. Yeah, I, I mean, I was gonna say Chow, but then you said Chow so soon. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess you're saying Chow. No, I said Dur. All... <laughs> I said Dur.
last episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Colin Ketchin. Join this episode by Jeff Levitt and Daniel Jodry. The Common Geeking Program was created by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with music by Colin Ketchin. This episode was edited by me, Kaimul Chaudhary. This episode was brought to you by Audio from Another Universe, making fools out of all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Common Geeking Program. Uh, remember to like, comment, and share. It uh, makes us feel good. If you would like to know more about the Common Geeking Program, uh, follow us on Twitter at Geeking Program or go to our website, commongeekingprogram.com. Uh, stay in touch, stay tuned, and as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. His arm is hurt, my butt is hurt. Draw whatever conclusions you want, I guess. <laughs>